three words. Hot ham water. Hot ham water. Hot ham water. Let's make him delete it. Well, what are you doing, Spam man? Spam his inbox. Awesome, man. We were partying with the chicken broth and hot chocolate. Apparently. What are you, my wife? You ready to uh, take so, a ride on the trashy hoopty? This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is the play-by-play voice of the Liberty Flames, Alan York. Alan, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Good to be on with you guys. Thank you. What is life like as a new addition to college football independence at the FBS level? It's everything and more. Um, it's a dream of <laughs> university when it was founded back in 1971. And, you know, a couple of years ago, NCAA approved a waiver for us to go independent instead of being invited to a conference. And uh, we've been uh, enjoying it ever since. Is Liberty seeking conference affiliation at some point in the future? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, right now, we're all sports in the A Sun and definitely would. Uh, answer a call from anybody uh, that would be interested in maybe allowing us to join uh, a new conference like that. But it definitely has been talked about. But as far as the independent role and kind of where we are, kind of like BYU, you can schedule anybody if they want to sign that contract. And so that's what we enjoy about uh, having an independent schedule and uh, taking trips like we are here today to Provo. Speaking of that trip, this will be the third trip to the Mountain Time Zone this season. Um, how's your frequent flyer miles account right now, Alan? It's really good. <laughs> uh, broadcast for basketball as well. And so, uh, new conference, as I mentioned, for the A-Sun. We're traveling a lot for basketball. We're heading to Phoenix uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. We're going to the Bahamas. So, uh, can't complain about that and the uh, hotel points as well. How would you summarize the 2019 Liberty football season so far at 6-3, and 1-5 of 6, and certainly uh, that tandem of Stephen Buckshot Calvert and Antonio Gandy-Golden has, have been a couple of guys we've talked about all week? I think we've handled expectations pretty well, um, exceeded them, not quite yet. I think if you ever exceed expectations, you might get into a, a role of complacency, and right now, uh, Liberty is enjoying the 6-3 and three record. Uh, a couple of games, I think, uh, we would like back. You look at the season Syracuse is having now. We opened up with the Orange in Lynchburg uh, back in late August. I think we would like another shot at them. But, you know, uh, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But to be 6-3, and three, one game away from bowl eligibility in the first year of being eligible to go to a bowl, I think you take it where you are right now with three games left. What kind of bowl expectation is there for Liberty with no direct tie-in, but you have a chance, a real chance, to win eight games this season? Certainly do. Um, right now, the one quote-unquote secondary agreement we have, that's the official jargon for it, is with the Cure Bowl. Now, the Cure Bowl has a tie-in with the Sun Belt and the AAC. Right. If those teams don't have enough to qualify for that bowl, then we would uh, be a good fit for the Cure Bowl. And outside of that, starting in 2020, uh, we've signed a, a deal with ESPN for some of those secondary bowls that they produce um, that uh, if, again, if we qualify, then we would be one of those candidates to take one of those spots. And so even this year, even outside of the Cure Bowl, uh, if there's not enough uh, teams to fill the other voids, 
then if we do get to those seven wins, because we have two FCS wins, then hopefully we'd be uh, considered to make a bowl trip this year. Antonio Gandy-Golden, uh, the wide receiver, second in FBS in uh, yards with over 1,000. He's incredible. He's going to be an NFL draft pick. Um, what did New Mexico do to hold him to four for 40? Just just uh, asking for just me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, he, he gets a lot of double team, a lot of bracketed coverage over on him, and uh, that was a tight game um, as I kind of think back to it. But um, – we got some other slot receivers that can still do a good job, but when they start making plays, it opens up the field even more for Antonio Danny Golden. And it doesn't take, I don't care who you put on him, and it's not being, you know, cocky or anything, but you can double team him all you want. He's got the strongest hands I've ever seen. He's got a great frame, and once he gets the ball in his hands, he becomes like a fullback. He'll run you over. He's very physical. That's one thing he's added to his game. He could always catch and always run and jump. But to be able to be physical after the catch and get yards after contact is one thing I've really seen from him that's taken him to that uh, upper echelon of uh, NFL prospects. Ellen, what, what's the story of how he landed at Liberty? I, you know, he was definitely under the radar, and our previous staff, uh, Trevor Gill, and his staff did a great job kind of mining um, those kind of afterthoughts. And Antonio, Antonio was one of those. I would say the same thing about Buckshot Calvert, although as Buckshot started to get recruited more by Liberty, he started to see those uh, kind of mid-major FBS teams kind of get in the fold uh, for the likes of Buckshot. So definitely unheralded uh, coming out of high school for both of them, to be honest with you. Uh, But, man, the the, the tutelage they've gotten and the coaching from both staffs, including Hugh Freeze's now, have really taken them up a notch here in their senior season. What happens if you call Buckshot Calvert by his real first name, Steven? Is he, is he okay with Dude, that? That is a phenomenal question. Every time I see him on campus, I call him Steven just to play with him. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't really turn his head around because he hears Buckshot all the time. I'm like, Steven, do your professors call you Steven? He goes, no, not really. Nobody really does. <laughs> his dad doesn't because the quick story on that story, I'm sure we documented this week, but his dad was a big NASCAR fan growing up. Buckshot Jones, back in the day, was a great NASCAR racer. Told the wife, hey, I want to name him Buckshot. She said, no way, no how. He's going to be named Steven. So as a concession, his dad said, well, can we name him his middle name, be Buckshot, like legally? And she's like, that's fine. You take the middle name, I'll take the first name. And so they compromised. Happy wife, happy life. And so it is Buckshot is the middle name legally, and obviously he goes by that. But I do, every once in a while when I see him, hey, Steven, because I'm sure he likes to hear that every, every once in a while because it's first name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not a hunter per se, but wouldn't Buckshot be the worst middle name for a quarterback, right? You want, like, precision? Yet this guy is really, really good. He's top 20 in a ton of categories. Yeah, he is phenomenal. And leading into his senior season, he needed to kind of uh, take his game to another level, and he's done that. He had a ton of interceptions last year. But Coach Freeze came in, and he said, look, I'm going to call like I said. I'm going to call a spade a spade. I'm going to shoot from my hip. And he says, you're not preparing like a top-level quarterback. And he was really hard on Buckshot when they first got to know each other about how to prepare. And Kent Austin, our new quarterback coach, has done a phenomenal job with the buckshot of teaching him the intricacies of watching film, diving into the playbook, doing more than what your talent 
will take you because you have to do a little bit more the higher levels you get, and Buckshot definitely has done that this year. Alan York, the play-by-play voice of the Liberty Flames, with us on BYU Sports Nation. What's the reception like in Lynchburg, Virginia, for Liberty football? Uh, it's smack dab right in the middle of the state. We're equal distance between Blacksburg, where Virginia Tech is, and Charlottesville, where Virginia is. And so we're trying to build those inroads, recruiting, branding. It's a worldwide uh, university with our online program of over 100,000. And so we have a pretty good niche in Lynchburg. Our stadium was expanded last year to 25,000, and we've got a good group of fans that enjoy coming to games, but we're still uh, thirsty for national exposure. I know we'll definitely get a lot of that coming up uh, on Saturday on ESPNU against BYU. Alan, great to talk to you, and we look forward to uh, seeing you in Provo, man. Can't wait. You guys do a phenomenal job. I tell you what, I have been over the top impressed with Everything from audio, from video that you guys do, uh, we definitely can take a page out of your book. We do some great things with our technology on campus, but you guys definitely are up the upper echelon with coverage of your team. And uh, at the same rate, also the coverage of the other team. It has been off the charts phenomenal. Definitely has helped with my preparation. And look forward to shaking some hands and saying hello to some of y'all coming up this weekend. Fantastic. Thanks, we Alan. appreciate that, Alan. We'll see you soon. All right. Thank you. You got Alan York on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. That's very kind of Alan. We appreciate that. Yes. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Huge weekend ahead for BYU Sports and BYU football will host Liberty tomorrow at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. You can watch Countdown to kickoff immediately following Colby Lee and men's basketball. But, Jerem, how much do you know about Liberty? Like, really know? We're going to test it with Ben Bagley as we play Know the Foe. BYU Sports Nation asks, do you know the foe? Not really. No. I don't think we know very no, much, much. And, and we're about to confirm that. I've read the game notes, but that's all I know. Yeah, I, I've read a little bit of the Wikipedia page, notable the, alumni. The fife and drum, let's go. Okay, Ben, what have you prepared for us? Well, if you've studied the game notes, you will be ill-prepared for this game, Jerem. I'm sorry. Because all sources come from Wikipedia. Yeah. I, well, I'm actually, no, we actually went outside Wikipedia for some of this today. <laughs> hey, uh, in a predetermined coin flip, which neither of you two were involved in, Jerem won the cut toss okay. in the second half, right. so Spencer will go first. I said hits! Sorry, you, we deferred to the second half. Okay. All right, Spencer. second half! <laughs> Spencer. Yes. Liberty University is the top employer in Lynchburg in the Lynchburg area. Which of the following trendy clothing retailers is also in the top ten? Oh, is it world? Abercrombie and Finch? Is it The Gap? Is it J. Crew? Or is it Eddie Bauer? I'm going with Eddie Bauer, Ben. Mm. Oh. Sorry, that's that's wrong. That's J. Crew. J. Crew. Oh, that was J. my initial Crew. feeling. Ah. <laughs> they're, they're the 10th tenth, tenth largest employer in Lynchburg. Okay. Uh, more on Lynchburg, really? by the way. Uh, Lynchburg, Virginia, founded by John Lynch. Not Berg. that John Lynch. Oh. But seeing that the other John Lynch wasn't that impressive, we stuck with that John Lynch. Yeah, I was like, the, the Niners GM <laughs> was there in the 1600s? Love that guy. Because Virginia's nope. super old, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, in like yeah. 1740. But uh, so, so John Lynch of the that. 49ers, much more 
interesting than the other John Lynch. So the question is, John Lynch was a two-sport athlete and was drafted by which Major League Baseball team? The Florida Marlins, the Houston Astros, the Milwaukee Brewers, or the San Francisco Giants? I'll go Giants. Uh, you fell for the San Francisco. Trade, yeah, you know? <laughs> it's the Florida Marlins. The Florida Marlins. Yes, the Florida Marlins. Oh, so man. far, zero zero. Spencer. <laughs> John Lynch has nothing to do with that. <laughs> hey, he was founded by John Lynch. Didn't people show up in Virginia in the 1600s? <laughs> no, I love my, it so much. But I'm just going to tell you, Lynchburg, Virginia, not giving me a lot of content. Okay. Sorry. All good. All right, here we go. Uh, notable notable alumni from uh, mm-hmm. Liberty. Ooh, okay. Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, not technically an alum, but he did enroll in an online graduate degree for divinity. Yes. That being said, what was Nick Foles' f- first college he enrolled in? Was it Ole Miss? Was it Arizona? Was it South Dakota State? Or was it Michigan State? Oh, man. Do you know this, Jerem? Uh, no. I'm gonna go, I have a good guess. Though. I'm going to go Ole Miss. No, that would State? be Hugh Freeze. It is Michigan State. Michigan State. Played his freshman year at Michigan State. Yeah. How about that? Was he with Kirk Cousins at the same time? And he made the right decision to go to Arizona. Yes. All right, Jerem, you get another alumni question. ESPN right, Samantha Ponder, an alumni of yes. Liberty. Yes, loves him. Her first child, a daughter, is named after which famous college football coach? Oh. Is it Bobby Bowden? Is it Lavelle Edwards? Is it Newt Rockney? Or is it Steve Spurrier? I'm guessing Bobby because Christian Ponder went to Florida State. Yes. Oh, Daughter's yeah, name is Bowden St. Clair. Story time. 2011, BYU's playing at uh, Jerry's World against TCU. I'm the KSL sideline reporter. Sam Ponder finishes the interview, and then I go with Bronco right after. So Sam and I kind of had a moment there. Oh, you there. had a connection. We had a oh. moment there. Okay. And oh, I was like, geez. what am I doing here? This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> then they made me a producer. <laughs> All right, up. Spencer, you're now, you're now trail by one. We're going to go honor code question here. Spencer. Oh, here we go. Boy. Uh, oh, boy. Can we do this? Yes, we can. <laughs> According to the Liberty University honor code, which of the following activities are not allowed on campus? Oh, boy. Staying out past curfew, attending dances, Watching rated R movies or playing video games rated M for mature. What is this BYU? I know. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go staying out past curfew. What? No, you what? can actually video sign games? a wa- you can sign a waiver to stay out past curfew. Then why have a curfew? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was actually attending dances. They went all Kevin Bacon and Footloose up in Lynchburg. No dances. Dang. No dances. Can't attend dances. And people think we're strict. What? Clip this off and send it out to the masses. Yeah. Get Kevin Bacon, line one. Uh, yeah. Jerem, Hugh Freeze. Yes. Hugh Freeze's first name is not actually Hugh. That's his middle name. Uh, what is his actual <laughs> first name? Uh, get out of the game, though. That's cheating. Is it Buckshot, Larry, <laughs> Danny, or Leslie? Wait, what? Buckshot and then what? Buckshot, Larry, Danny, or Leslie? Larry, Danny, or Leslie? <laughs> <laughs> Danny. Yes. Oh, you're so lucky. You're so Another lucky. point for Jerem. He's up 2-0. Oh, Danny? So His name's lucky. Danny? Where's Hugh? Is Hugh's Danny, middle name? Hugh Freeze. Danny yeah, Freeze. Yeah, okay. All right. That's why All I right. named my, my, my kid's middle name is Michael. So if he wants to go by Michael Jordan, he can do that. Okay. <laughs> All right, Spencer. You, you got you to gotta stay in the game here. Okay. Okay. The MD4-2000. 
is a deluxe treatment chair used by dentists, Medi Spas, and Hugh Freeze when coaching on the, in the press box mean, after using Danny? a hospital bed. Mm-hmm. If you were looking to purchase one for your own personal use, what would it set you back? Oh. $4,500, $5,300, $7,000, or $9,700? Oh. This music's the best, by the way. <laughs> Our independent music. This is the price is right! <laughs> Uh, I'll Don't take go over. One dollar. Do one dollar. I'll take fifty-three hundred. Correct. Yes. <laughs> High five. <laughs> Scores two-one. Jerem's already won, but we'll give you the last question, Jerem. Let's do last it. Last question. Which of the following features? I'm can in you... victory formation right now, yeah. by the way. <laughs> Which of the following features can you not get on the aforementioned MD4 2000 <laughs> if you desired so to purchase it? <laughs> A neck rest, head cushion, and face-down facial headrest. A four-motor electric capacity with reverse angle tilt, <laughs> a paper roll holder, or stainless steel foot pedals. I'll go with B. <laughs> no, you, it, it, it does come equipped with a four-motor electric capacity with reverse angle tilt. Jeremy. It's the stainless steel foot pedals, isn't it, Ben? Yes, they, they are not stainless oh, steel. clearly D. Don't forget, to, you get the paper roll holder, though. So I think that earns me at least a partial tie. Paper roll? Like, All right, Spencer, like you lose paper? two to one and a half. <laughs> Congratulations, Jerem. You That's... win Liberty. <laughs> Give him liberty. Give me liberty. Yeah. Oh my oh, goodness. Well, that That's was fun. By far the most random that was yeah, we that was ever done. Yeah, it was great to see Ben do some real research. That was awesome. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. The brotherly connection was one of just many headlines out of the BYU win at Utah State. So let's discuss it some more. In fact, Jerem Jordan, BYU Sports Nation, all access one-on-one with Gunnar Romney. All right, Gunnar, uh, have you come down from the high of of putting up 42 and 639 yards of total offense Saturday? I think so. I think we finally started to move on a little bit. It It was a good weekend to enjoy it, but time to move on to the next opponent. Well, then apologies. We're going to break it down before we talk about Liberty. First off, just how awesome was it that you and Bailey become the first brother-to-brother connection for a touchdown pass in BYU history? It's, it's a super cool experience to be able to go through with Baylor. Like, he's, he's such a hardworking, humble person, and so uh, to have him and, and me be, uh, be together like, with this accomplishment, it's a really cool experience. Who has more chill between the two of you? Because you're, you're both kind of low-key dudes, right? Uh, that's, it's, a, it's a tough tough competition, honestly. I, I'd say he probably is a little bit more chill than me, but it's not by much. When he comes into the game, I think he targets you. Was it his first throw was to you or soon thereafter? Soon after, yep. Were yeah. you expecting that? A little bit. I mean, I, I know, I know he's, he's my brother, so we, we have that connection. So it's, it's cool to, for him to come in the game and just be ready for it. Let's talk about that connection um, that results in the touchdown, right? Um, you're, what, two years younger? Uh, two and a half, okay. three in school. Two and a half. So at what age, were, I, were you best friends your whole life, right? And you have a younger brother as well? Yeah, so growing up, like me and my, my two brothers, my younger brother and my older brother, we were always super close. Just growing up, playing sports together in the backyard, growing up, just messing around with each other, fighting each other, just always, we've always been super close and always been the best friends. It's been cool. Was Baylor always the quarterback, and were you always the receiver? Yeah, it actually worked out really good. He always had someone to throw to. I always had someone to catch from. And so it's, it's been the perfect uh, combination all through our lives. What would happen if roles were reversed? What would that be like? Dude, I don't know. I can't throw, so I can't, <laughs> I can't, really, I can't really say what it would be like. But, I mean, it'd still be cool, I guess. we still have that connection. But I'm, I'm glad I'm a receiver. I'm glad he's the quarterback. You know Micah Simon? 
I do not like Simon. You're known like Simon. He threw a pass. Oh. You don't want to pass this year? Yeah, no, I, that's not me. That's, that's for the other receivers that played quarterback in high school. Okay, so walk us through this. And you and I have somewhat of a connection in that you grew up in the Mormon colonies, and you were born there. My grandparents lived there. My mom and aunts and uncles lived there. Tell us a little bit about, for those who don't know, what is it about this place that makes it special down in Mexico? Yeah, I mean, it's just a tiny little just Mormon colony is what they say. Just a little church town, just probably 500 people, tiny little temple up on the hill, just super small community, little farming community. Everybody's super close down there, just in the middle of Mexico. So it's a pretty unique place. Romneys, Wettens, Calls, Browns. I mean, there's only so many families down there right there um, in the valley. What did your dad do again for, for work? He was a, 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 a chili yeah, farmer. Yeah, still is, still grows chili, still, still uh, makes hot sauce. So it's pretty cool. So you guys could say you have the sauce or something? There's something there. I guess we do have the sauce. <laughs> did, you, did you help in the farm? Yeah, I mean, every summer my dad would take us out. He'd uh, just leave us out on the farm and uh, just say, all right, go to work. And so I think that really, really taught us discipline and taught us hard work growing up just because that farmer's hard work is instilled in us. What kind of work are we talking about on a chili farm? Chili farm, you got to pick weeds, you got to pick the chili, you got to just like pull out all the pipes for the irrigation, just that rough far, uh, farm work. So that, that, do you feel like that's where you learn hard work? I definitely do. I mean, my dad, he, that's one of, the ones, one of the things he wanted to teach us growing up was, was hard work. And so it really, it, we learned the hard way about it, but it was good, and I'm, I appreciate it now. So he still is a chili farmer. Does he own it down there? Because you guys have moved to El Paso and Chandler? Yeah, no, he still commutes. He still works down in Mexico. That's, that's what he does. So he's made a big sacrifice for our family and bringing us out to, to first Texas and then Arizona, and now we're here. So it's been, he's been great for our family. Was the move to El Paso uh, for high school football and athletics? Um, mostly. There's not a lot of opportunities down in the, in the little town of Mexico, so my family all decided that it was, it was best for all of us if we were to make the move to, to the United States to be able to play sports and be able to get better education and be able to, to pursue our dreams pretty much, and so it's worked out for, for me and my brothers. So Baylor claims El Paso as his hometown. You claim Chandler. Why, why, why the difference? Yeah, I mean, everybody kind of gets confused, like, oh, he's from Texas, he's from Chandler. So a lot of people didn't even know we were brothers. But um, So he, we moved over to Arizona after he graduated from high school. And so I went my last two years of high school in Arizona, so that's where I say I'm from. He says he's from Texas. So he goes on his mission to Carlsbad, California, while you, you were finishing your last years of high school. Was the plan always to play together? Because Baylor, what, signed with Nevada out of high school? Yeah, I mean, that was always been a dream. We always wanted to play with each other, but we didn't, we didn't think it was going to happen for a while because he signed to Nevada, and I was still weighing my options of where I wanted to go. But when he, when he came back from his mission, he decided he wanted to come here. That was a big attraction for me to come to BYU, and so ultimately I, I came here because that was one of my reasons. And so the opportunity presented itself that we get to play with each other now. So was that, uh, was that a conversation you guys had? Because that was, I guess, a sacrifice on Baylor's account to be a walk-on, at least for now. I, I imagine he'll get a scholarship in the future. Yeah, I mean, we always talked about it, especially the, the six months that he, after he got back from his mission, he was trying to decide where he went. We were talking about where's, where can we play together, like what, what are we going to do to be able to get on the field at the same time. And BYU was, was the best option for both of us. And so I think it's paid off so far. So it's a good decision. So even then, you're at the same school, but Baylor's third string. And you think, eh, practice, whatever. Once Baylor gets that chance against Boise State and now Utah State, what's this been like that you've actually been able to play on the field together and win? Yeah, it's been surreal. I mean, Baylor, he, de- he deserves this opportunity. Ever since he got up here, he's just been, he's been one of the hardest working people on the team. And he's just been, he's, qu- he's a quiet person, so he's just been, just been working in silence and 
um, he's been he's been ready for his opportunity to come up, and he's he's obviously he wasn't scared of the spotlight, and so he stepped up in a big time big time game last week, and another one this week when his opportunity came up, and so it's just been it's been an awesome experience to be able to go through it with him, and just it's an awesome experience just to be able to play college football, but with your brother it makes it that much better. So let's bring it to the play where you two connect for a touchdown. So Baylor comes into the game, and he said he didn't know that he was going to be throwing to you until he brought you in motion. Yeah. When do you realize, hey, this is going to work? Because you probably realize it before he does, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're always rotating receivers. Uh, we, have, we have rotation, so quarterback has to really just read the defense first and receiver second. So, I mean, uh, as soon as I got in there, we, we both knew it was going to be a touchdown just because of the play call and the way the defense was set up. And so as soon as he sent me in motion, I think he looked over and saw me and kind of smiled. And so <laughs> it, was, it was a really cool experience just to walk in and touchdown like that. Then you get to the sideline, and you have kind of a moment there where you describe that moment with each other. Yeah, so he, he didn't uh, come to the touchdown. He just ran straight to the sideline. Why was that? I don't know. You'll have to ask him about that. But uh, as soon as I got back to the sideline, everybody was high-fiving and stuff, and someone just picked me up, and I looked back, and it's Baylor. And so we kind of had a little moment right there celebrating it. And uh, it kinda, that's when it kind of hit me, like well, we, we just scored a touchdown together. So it was a really, really cool experience. Then after the game, uh, Spencer Linton interviews both of you, and that was awesome. And you have a blanket. Did Mom just have one blanket, I take it, that you got? It was it was cold outside, and so I just asked my mom for the blanket. And I don't I don't know if she saw Baylor there or not, but I mean I think she was probably playing favorites a little bit. So it was yeah I just needed it. I was shivering out there. Now wait a minute did did your mom need the blanket herself? What what's that situation? She she had an extra one okay, she was okay. using herself. So yeah it was it was all good. Mom, like, don't take your mom's blanket. Of course mom comes first. That's awesome. So you beat uh, Boise State and Utah State. Things feel different. Um, what's changed especially offensively for this team in the last two games? I think it's just the mindset. Um, we we knew we had a little bit of rough patch back uh, a couple of weeks ago, but we've always we we just kind of uh, focused in and kind of got back to the basics, really working on execution, and it's just a different mindset now. We have to go in and treat every game like it's a Super Bowl and treat every treat every play like it's the last play that we're playing, and so it's just it's a different energy and it's a different vibe in the locker room. You can tell everybody just everybody wants it more and everybody's a little bit more focused. Now Liberty comes to town, a team that uh, is really interesting, a fellow independent. They have a 1,000-yard receiver and a quarterback named Stephen Buckshot Calvert, which is awesome. Uh, what do you think of the matchup with Liberty this Saturday at home? You know, they're, they're a good team. They, they, they have a really good record right now. They've played some pretty solid teams, and so it's, it's going to be a fun one this Saturday. And so I'm excited, looking forward to the opportunity. Um, obviously, this week we'll, we'll hop on the film and we'll, we'll practice the game plan against them. But um, I'm really excited for it. It's going to be a fun matchup. Okay, thanks for the time and congratulations. Thank you, appreciate it. BYU Sports Station All Access one on one with Gunnar Romney. What a time to be a Romney. Yes, it absolutely was. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Our 2019-2020 BYU season projections go. go now. Let's go. Beginning with the leading scorer, Jerem. 
and I'm going to tip things off. I say Yoli Child Shocker. at 20 points a game will be the leading scorer for BYU basketball this season. I say Yoli Child as well, but I go 18.3. I think it just dips a little bit. There's a lot of mouths to feed there. He was 21.9 last season, and I, I'm with you. I think he'll lose a few shots to TJ Haas, Alex Barcelo, certainly Jake Toulson, so it'll dip a little bit. I just don't think it'll dip that much. Okay, leading rebounder. I say Yoli Child. I think that one's pretty obvious. I think he goes up to Ooh. 10 a game. Okay, so he's he was at, 9.7. He's up at 10. He's around what Eric Mika did his sophomore year. Who else is going to rebound? 19 and 10 guy. Who else is going to rebound? He's the only big in there with Dalton Nixon, Colby Lee. No, I agree with you. Yeah. 9 to 10 rebounds a game for Yoli Childs. He's, gonna, he's going to put up a double-double on the regular. Yes. If he doesn't have a double-double, you know, it was a disappointing game. <laughs> Leading three-point shooter by number of makes. Yes. Jeremy, I'm going with TJ Haas. Okay. At 60 even. He went 70-plus his freshman season. Then he's been mid-50s to high-50s. I think he'll jump up. But, again, there's, there are a lot of mouths to feed, especially yes. in the three-point line. So I think T.J. Haas, 63-point makes. Jake Toulson, 61. Just Ooh. one higher than you. Okay. Um, made 69 at Utah Valley last year for reference, by the way. So he, he was up there. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of three-pointers are going to go up. That is for sure. Okay, leading three-pointers by attempts. I have Jake Toulson, 150. I say T.J. Haas. In each of the last two seasons, he has attempted exactly 162. Exactly? Uh-huh. Wow. So it's going to be 162 <laughs> for a third straight year. I was wondering how you came over there. That's funny. <laughs> okay, on to the next. Blank will lead the team in fouls, Jerem. Connor Harding, because he's going to play the four a lot. So he's going to have 72 fouls. Okay. Now, I would say Yoli Childs, but he's going to miss nine games, so that number is going to be lower than it would be. My preseason winner for the annual Nate Austin Award for most fouls is Colby Lee, Oh, Jerem. he's going to have enough playing time to merit that? BYU is going to have to play Colby Lee. Should it be the Luke Worthington Award, too? Because he was a high foul per minute yes, guy. exactly. Luke Use him. You have him. Was the foul guy last year. He was physical. Colby Lee's going to be that guy. By the way, there's a guy that I play pickup in the morning. He always fouls like three times in a game, which it's like, if this was real, you'd be sitting for the rest of the half. So whenever (laughs) he has a foul, I go, that's one. That's two. That's three. Sub. Two. Sub. 70 fouls for Colby Lee. You say 72 for Connor Hart. Regular season record. I say 21 and 10. Nine and six in non-con. You're always trying to figure it out without Yoli Childs. 12 and four in the West Coast Conference. What say ye? I say with blue goggles firmly affixed, Jerem, there's something about this team. I am bought in on Mark Pope and this staff. I know Yoli Childs is out. Gavin Baxter's out. 23 and eight, Jerem. 23 and eight. It won't be good enough to make the tourney as an at-large. 10 and five non-conference. 13 and three in the West Coast Conference. Well then, which brings us to this. Record versus St. Zaga. That is St. Mary's and Gonzaga. Okay. <sighs> Want it to be better. One and three. Oh, okay. I think BYU gets one of the four in the regular season. I think it will be better than that, Jerem. There's something about Mark Pope beating big teams. It's going to happen. Like It's just going to happen, especially because Jolie Childs will be back for all of these games. Two and two. No, he's going to miss a few of these games. He's going to miss Kansas. No, no, he's not going to miss anything against He's not going to miss anything against St. Zaga. Oh, you're right. You're right. Sorry. Yeah, he'll play all of the games against St. Mary's and Gonzaga. Two and two in the regular season against the Gales and two wins against ranked teams. Yeah, man. On paper, BYU should win zero, by the way. If they don't go two and two against those four, they're not going 23 and eight. So I... (laughs) There's your logic. It's got to be there. West Coast Conference record against non-St. Zaga teams. Uh, I have 11-1. Yeah, because I have 1-3. 11-1. 
I agree with you. One stumble. 11 and one in the regular season. BYU lost zero of the non. Uh, well, they lost to San Francisco last year. That was it. BYU was pretty clean. San last Francisco year. was a really good Until team last year. Until the tourney. Yeah. Well, San Francisco was a good team, and they became a not good team. Okay. BYU, BYU will finish. finish. What in the West Coast Conference? Tied for second, Jerem. Third. T2. Third. St. Mary's is too good. Yeah. You, so I think St. Mary's is going to lose three conference games and be right there I do with too, BYU. But I think BYU will lose four. <laughs> okay. And BYU will play in the blank tournament in the postseason. NIT. It'll be the NIT. I hope it's the NCAA tournament. I hope BYU figures it out. Miracle pulls it out in Vegas. But if I got to stand here and tell you what I think is going to actually happen, I'll see you NIT. At 23-8, and eight, BYU will be firmly on the bubble. They will be discussed. BYU will be a team that's like, ah, oh, they've got some decent wins. Will be the moral victory of the season. They will be a bubble team, Man. but likely play in the National Invitation Tournament, NIT. Yeah, I hope if Yoli Childs was healthy and Gavin Baxter was healthy, we'd both be sitting here saying BYU is going to get into the. Well, tournament. Yoli's healthy. Not. He just has to sit I mean, out the I first mean, nine the nine, games. Well, he's yeah. not NCAA healthy. <laughs> NCAA said you are sick. You are injured. Our question of the day. What's the black cat of BYU sports? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort at LJ Pearson. One answers on Twitter. Wow, this is weird. I don't get the reference. But if you mean what Cougar likes to scamper around in the end zone. That's not what we mean. Lopini Katoa. Okay. (laughs) Monday Night Football reference. Yeah. Somebody tweet at LJ Pearson. One, the... Monday night football Just situation. The superstition of a black cat yes. and bad luck. That, and, that too. You know, uh-huh. Suddenly that's a bit. Uh-huh. No, yeah. Never heard of it? Okay. If you missed our deep blue feature last Saturday during countdown to kickoff, it's an all-timer. In fact, it brought Kalani Satake to tears. And he got very emotional right after he watched the story during his weekly show on Monday. If you haven't seen it, Here's your next chance. Wyatt Page, a heroic young man facing, frankly, insurmountable odds and keeping a smile on his face. The strength and courage of his family are incredible. This is Deep Blue. Uh, My name is Wyatt Page. I'm 12 years old. I have terminal brain cancer, and I'm a BYU fan. (laughs) I didn't know what to do. (laughs) In September of 2019 after his 19-month battle. The diagnosis was terminal. And that's hard. Going into my first surgery, I was obviously nervous, um, but my family was there, and I was just kind of really scared, actually. You think about wishing you'd spent more time together not working that extra hour or two or wishing you'd taken time to go to lunch together. It was very clear that, you know, we were on on a special mission that was about to embark. White is a 12-year-old boy from Saratoga Spring uh, who was nominated by Coach Kalani himself. We had, had been contacted from uh, a ward member here that knows Kalani, and he asked us if Wyatt would be interested in going down and touring the facility, going down and meeting Kalani. I'm like, okay, that sounds cool. And we got down there, and of course, we were able to tour the facility, which is awesome. It was fun. We got to uh, watch a video of all the of the team, uh, like, 
chanting my name and everything, and that was I was like, oh. <laughs> And it turned into something more, to say the least. The experience, the mindset that I had when I was going into that was that I wanted him to feel like he was a part of our family. He was our brother and could ask us for anything that he needed. Ethan presented the team. Um, they just kind of were encouraging, and he was just saying, like, uh, we love you, uh, we're were so supportive of you gave me like a little swag bag I guess and then they started pulling everything out and it was like we got Monday Tuesday and they just gave me a bunch of cool stuff for BYU and everything and it was it was pretty cool we were shocked and uh, and it was a really neat experience to see athletes that are finely tuned express their love and, and concern and brotherhood towards Wyatt. It was an amazing experience that I don't think any of us will ever forget. It's important that we tell the team how much uh, they mean to so many different people and so many uh, fans. And although uh, they're struggling through a loss and then uh, some inconsistent football playing. They, I think it was important that they understand their purpose is not just to play football, it's to help people's lives and make a difference. When you have someone like Wyatt and all these other Triple Heroes who come and visit your practice and you hear of their story, you really find out what a, a hardship really is. Um, and that even though we all want to win games and losing is tough, it just puts things into perspective that we should still be grateful that we're able to be out here and play a game that we love. And just because it's not going our way, it shouldn't stop us from just putting our head down and going to work because people have it way worse. And so see guys like Wyatt come in with a smile on his face when his life is on the line, it really helps us put a smile on our face to be grateful for um, everything we have. I think we recognize... And, and Coach Kalani has helped us recognize what an opportunity we have where we're at. Because we play football, people look to us, and we have an opportunity to, to be a blessing in their lives. I think the whole team understands that, and we love seeing people like Wyatt and, and sharing those experiences with them where they're able to feel our love and using our position as football players to, to make them feel loved. For them to do that... Obviously, they were they were um, needing something as much as Wyatt was needing something, and so the, the two of them to to be able to get together and do that, I think they've inspired each other. I don't know at what level on each front, but I know for Wyatt it was a pretty neat day, and for those big guys to come and hang out with with a little kid and and share their heartfelt emotion was really neat. It's an unfortunate circumstance, but we've met fantastic friends along the way because of it and are just grateful for those who've helped with wise care. I mean, it makes a huge difference having um, doctors and nurses and everybody who cares so much and who will do whatever to help out, you know. And we're just grateful for, I mean, it is weird to say, but it's, it's great. We're grateful for the opportunity. I mean, we look at it as, a, as an opportunity rather than, than and a trial, but I mean, it's, it's, an, it's been an opportunity. As a father, it's brutally heartbreaking to watch someone that you care about so much losing uh, the battle of uh, 
against cancer, but not losing the battle of life. I want Wyatt to know that I love him and that I'm proud of him. We love you, Wyatt, and we love the Page family. And I'm so grateful that Wyatt was able to be at the Boise State game this year to witness uh, a turnaround of sorts for BYU. He's a, clearly a special young man. Yeah, and the, uh, the special moments continued for him. He was at a recent Utah Jazz game, and after the game, uh, Utah Jazz superstar Donovan Mitchell walked up to him, took his shoes off of his feet, handed it to him, signed both of them, and that was a pretty cool moment to see yeah. as well. He said, my man. Yeah, walked, uh, really, great really stuff. Cool stuff. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. And it's time to put a nail in the coffin. Oh boy. Jason, I know. We're starting it off with that. It's that type of day. Oh, boy. Well, there is that part of the Utah pronunciation, a nail. Yeah, it's no, true. No, no, no. It's that a is nail. True. But we are talking with a Trevin nail. Trevin, welcome back to Studio B. Thank you for having me. Hey, what was it like to watch your first three-pointer go down in the Marriott Center in front of a crowd last Friday night? Last Friday night, it was fun. And Coach Pope and I kept making little exchanges. And so it was, it was just a lot of fun to have the crowd there. What was happening in those exchanges between you two? Um, I think it just goes back from my AAU season. And, like, he would always, like, come to my high school, watch me, and he would always just give these exchanges. And so it's just like a vote of confidence. So that helped. We get to see Coach Pope from a media perspective. You obviously get to see him every day as your coach. What's he like in those settings? Um, in practice, he's super intense, super, super intense. But it's out of, like, it's out of love. Like, every single time, he'd, like, if you make a good play, he'll come up and hug you. And it's just who he is. And so he'll come up, pound his chest. He'll sometimes dance a little bit. And so it's a lot of fun, and it gets everybody excited. Good dancer, and remember, he controls your playing time. <laughs> yes, he is. It's <laughs> <laughs> a wise answer. Oh, veteran Trevin Nell with us in Studio B. Uh, with Coach Pope losing his voice last night, it was hard for – because I'm in the huddle with you guys listening to kind of figure out what's going on between the teams. I could barely hear him. Could you hear him in there? Um, no, but he had his little clipboard. He tried to draw things up, and that's even that could be a little harder too. <laughs> so, give us the scoop on Trevin Nell. What what do you like to do when you're not playing basketball? Who are you rooming with? Who are you hanging out with? Give everybody the scoop. So, who am I rooming with? I'm rooming with Wyatt Lowell, um, and then Daniel Deal. He's a he was a manager last year, and then Colby Lafson. He was a transfer. He's going to be a transfer. Um, but yeah, we're super close in our little apartment. And we are always doing stuff together. So it's kind of nice to have basketball kind of 24-7. And then who I am, uh, out, outside of basketball, um, I love listening to music. My favorite music is Disney. So like before wow. games, yes. before games, I listen to Disney a little bit to kind of, like, I don't know, kill the nerves. You getting pumped up with some Donny Osmond, Mulan? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah like, well, so when you say Disney, are we talking like Disney soundtracks? What are we, what are, what are we talking specifically here? So, like, the Tarzan soundtrack is always up there. Uh-huh. You got, like, Tangled is up there. And so I won't listen to a ton of Disney, but, like, just, like, you start out with, like, maybe rapping, like, slowly move into something that's kind of <laughs> more, like, kind of cool, cool you know, a little bit. Start out with some Drake, some Jay-Z, and then I'm going to transition to uh, Phil Collins and Tarzan. 
Yeah. <laughs> that is outstanding. Okay, uh, there's so much more I want to dive down into in that rabbit hole, but we'll, we will push forward <laughs> okay, another day. Number two recruit in Utah high school basketball coming out of Woods Cross, Davis County represent. Why BYU when you had offers from the likes of Washington State and the Pac-12 and Utah State and other schools in state? Um, so well, when I was originally signed with Cal, I was committed with them. I was excited, and then Kwanzo left, and I just felt like it was the right thing to do was to leave. And I got calls from, like, Texas, Washington, and a lot of, like, Pac-12 schools. And Coach Rose called me right away, and he's like, hey, I know, like, we don't, like, we want you, but I just want you to come out and see everything. So I came out, met Jimmer right away. He talked to me for a while. Uh He's like, hey, they feel like you can be, like, kind of who I was but in in an aspect of a shooter. I was like, well, I feel like I I can shoot the ball really well. And then we talked to Coach Rose for a while, and it just felt right. You guys were finally able to to get a game under your belt last night. First official game, you get the win over Cal State Fullerton. How do you think the team did overall? I feel like we played really well. I feel like we played as a team. And that's what Coach Pope emphasized a lot, is how there's a lot of teams out there that have like one guy who scores 20-plus a game. And we have a team, so like that's more dangerous than just one guy. So any, any given player can go off. And like for us, we were all excited. Like The bench was excited for Alex. Bench was excited for TJ when he just started cooking the second half. And then Jake started getting in the shot going. So we really all like wanted each other to succeed. And there was a play where TJ caught in the corner. And he had a wide open three and he was, he was cooking, right? Yeah, oh yeah. And he decided to look for Jake, who hadn't got a three off yet. And his shot went down. So TJ's always looking to make that extra pass to, I don't know, boost our confidence. So this team is super special this year. Trevin Nell with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's stay with the theme of last night. What do you feel like your team did best last night to help you prepare for a really tough opponent in San Diego State? I feel like we uh, had the mindset of playing defense. And so we're always talking on the court, and we're trying to help each other. Like Some guys are super quick, so we try to be there on the help. And we have Colby, Colby Lee and Dalton and Zach who are just big, strong dudes, and they can jump high. So it helps with the little like little guards. But San Diego State is a little taller. They're 6'10", a little more athletic, I feel mm-hmm, like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like we're rebounding the ball. We haven't lost our rebounding war yet. And so that's our huge emphasis for this Saturday. Let's talk about the rebounding war. What is the rebounding war? Just to beat them out, so okay. don't let them okay. beat us in yeah. rebounds. So how do you prepare for that in practice? Well, we always go against like Wyatt, who's 6'10". And in Big Rich, Richard uh-huh. Hardwood, who's 6'10 and 270. <laughs> and so we got to make sure it's just about who's tougher. And that's, who, that's what Coach Pope always talks about is we can't let people like punk us. We have to be a force. And so that's what we're going to go into in this Saturday. Well, staying with defense, how impressed were you with Alex Barcelo's blocks last night? We were talking about that before you came on. The guy was like, was like angry blocking. It was great. <laughs> well, when someone starts talking to Alex – and it's not, in, it's not from us. It's from another team, and they're saying stuff. You better watch out because Alex is going to make you pay. <laughs> he gets that crazy look in his eyes. <laughs> you know, there was a shot of him on TV last night where I was like, wow, I'm, I'm a little scared, but I'm glad that he's playing for BYU. Yeah, he takes it personal. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Trevin Nell with us on BYU Sports Nation, breaking down BYU and Cal State Fullerton. What are the expectations for this team from the three-point line? Because last night it – couldn't have gone much better. You shoot 44%, red hot in the first half, 8 for 15. It cooled off a little bit in the second half. But what do you expect to do from the three-point line as a team this year? We're expected to shoot just like this. 
and we're like this game's not just like oh they shot really well like hopefully they can shoot it like this again no I feel like we're gonna shoot like this every game and it's just because like I said about TJ we're making the extra pass instead of taking a hard three we're gonna take an easier three and there's like another play where there's three seconds on the shot clock Jake could have taken the shot decided to pass out to Blaze for a three and Blaze knocked it down I think it's just the whole trust aspect of this team and how special this team is going to be. For you personally heading into this year, what were your own expectations for this season? My own expectations, they're pretty high. Um, I'm excited that I'm playing. And like Friday Friday night, I always felt the shot. Like my shot felt super well. Uh, clearly. And, <laughs> and then this last uh, Tuesday, yesterday, my first shot goes in and it didn't count because there was a charge call. And Coach Pope looks at me and goes, just shoot the next one. And so the bench starts talking to me on like uh, Cal State Fullerton's bench starts talking to me. And they're just like, oh, he's not, he's not going to shoot over him. And so once someone starts talking to me, just like Alex, I'm like, all right, it's, it's over. And so once that shot went in, I felt really good. And so, I don't know, just this whole aspect of this team. How do you handle the nerves of playing in a bigger crowd at the Marriott Center, in, in a game that actually counts, not just an exhibition? Um, it's, it's pretty exciting, and it's kind of scary at times, seeing the crowd do their little, where they all lean back and forth. Oh, yeah, the rock. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but, like, we have really good leadership. Uh, Zach's helped me a lot. Yoli's helped me a lot with just staying calm. And something that's always like before games, I get super nervous. And Coach Pope always tells us, hey, trust what we've put in, like trust your work. And so every day after practice, I'm shooting like hundreds of shots. And so I just got to trust that. And it translates to the game. Do you trust Zach Selyus' style and his mustache and his hair? I trust his style. I don't trust his mustache. Will we ever see you grow the mustache? <laughs> I don't think so, but I could grow it, but I don't know, I don't know if I'd like it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, that, uh, that's becoming an iconic thing. That, that's for sure. Trevin, congratulations on a great performance uh, individually and as a team. Um, I think have you signed, signed, have you signed, you, you signed the new flag, right? Yeah. New one. Have you signed this flag? I think he was here in June, so I think he signed this one. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll confirm. We'll find your signature on here. Um, but let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. Um, and if you don't know how that works... You'll play a little bit better because you came on the show against San Diego State. That's how it works. That's, that's good. Okay, you're a confident shooter, so just shoot with extra confidence. <laughs> Will do. Hey, okay, thanks, Trevin. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Let's get a little illogical right now, shall we? With a black cat conundrum. Monday night football between the Dallas Cowboys and New York Giants had an interesting and unexpected intermission when a black cat took the field. Kevin Harlan, longtime sportscaster on radio, had an amazing call of the event. The Giants led when this mystery feline appeared. Mm -hmm. They did not win, Jerem. Did the cat ruin New York's chances? More importantly, who or what is the black cat Inside BYU Sports. I have two things. One, Max Hall's rant against Utah after the 2009 overtime win. That's one. BYU hasn't won since. I and hate Utah. There you go. <laughs> well, the feeling is mutual. The other is Jimmer Fredette defeating with BYU St. Mary's and Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we all thought, oh, this is going to be great in the WCC. We're going to win the league. This is going to be great. We don't have to play UNLV on their own court in the tournament title game. <sighs> we were wrong about that one. Really good. Those are two black cats. Okay. I've got one for you. It is the Utah State football program injuring BYU quarterbacks. Mm. It's getting out of yeah. hand, isn't yeah. it? it? No. And, hey, we did it a couple times too, right? Chucky Keaton, twice? 
It's ridiculous what happens in that game. So you rewind all the way back to 2014. Everything's great. BYU's got the lead in the standings, if you will. They're ranked in the top 20. They're 4-0. They got through the gauntlet of the first three Power 5 teams. And then Utah State comes in and injures Taysom Hill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. It, it happened. Then in 2016, it happens again, well, Jeremy. In 2012, t- 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 in 2012 it happened to yeah. Taysom when he was a freshman. Bo Hodge that, that at was... Utah State. Everything was good. BYU's got the lead. Concussion. Out. Yeah. 2019, Jaron Hall. Concussion. Out. It's, it's out of control. That's the weird black cat. Fortunately, Baylor Romney was able to squelch that, uh, I, I don't know, bad Baylor luck, Romney greater than Coy Denver yes. Jr.? <laughs> There's that, And too. I love Coy. And BYU got the win. But, yeah, yeah, the black cat, man, it's been Utah State. Yeah. Weird stuff. Okay, our question of the day. We want to know what you think. What or who is the black cat of BYU sports? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Get on Twitter, at CL underscore living. BYU seems to have bad luck with injuries to key players. Zach Wilson. Tyson Williams, Gavin Baxter, Jaron Hall, Anderson, Celius. Do I need to go on? Hashtag no. BYUSN. Now, if a black cat shows up on your porch and it's forward-facing at you, that's a good omen, by the way. It's if, you, if it's running away from you. That's bad. So I, th- these black cats represent the running away from you okay. part, right? There's good black cat mojo there. Okay. It, it exists. Show me the positive black cat. Come to the door <laughs> of Studio B <laughs> and when, when stare at it? us. Or it's a glare, or, uh, uh, you know, uh, an issue in the Matrix, right? <laughs> Okay, real argument that BYU could have put together the most impressive win of the season. I know they've beaten some name-brand programs, but Jerem was Saturday's win against the Aggies. The most impressive performance of the season. It was awesome, but it's not. No, Uh, the USC game was for me. Zero five-stars on BYU's team and five four-stars. Do you know how many USC has? Six five-stars and 41 four-stars. National TV, ABC, ranked win, Sky Cam. That was awesome. 50% 50% of the country lives in the Eastern time zone. The game kicked at 10.05 for them on Saturday night. They weren't watching. USC was the most impressive win of the season. That was awesome. And it, and it set the tone. It kind of told you where BYU could be. Because beating Tennessee, Tennessee hasn't been that good of a team. That was a huge win. Nice comeback. BYU survived there and got that win. This was a big win. You go into OT again. You beat a ranked team. All that talent. That was a big win. That win showed us where the roof kind of was with this team. And it's higher. That's why Toledo and USF were so disappointing. We saw BYU beat USC, and it was like, what? You can't beat Toledo and South Florida, but you beat USC? That's weird. So to me, it's still USC. Yeah, we saw USC go down in Provo with Zach Wilson at quarterback and Tyson Williams still at running back for BYU. So for me, because BYU was still kind of had their two-headed monster in play, it was impressive, no question. But what BYU did against Boise State with Baylor Romney coming off the South Florida and Toledo losses to me, that's the most impressive performance just because of the emotions involved and the expectations. BYU was not supposed to win this game on their home field, and they led 28-10 to at one point on Boise State, held on to win 28-25. The Cougars win against the Broncos, who, by the way, were ranked 14th at the time and undefeated, Shocked everyone. It, sh- it stunned everybody. So for 
BYU to come off a loss against USF and do that to Boise State with a third-string quarterback and have all of the responsibilities starting to shift around in the coaching. I just thought There's overall, a difference. that was the most impressive win that BYU put together from coaches to players, given all things. The circumstances were so unique. Boise State, to me, is the hinge point. It's the turning point of the season for BYU. I can't believe that BYU has the wins it has but has the losses it has still? Still. I'm still just like, what? how does that happen? But the good news is, like, where are you? BYU's trending up. BYU's got that green arrow pointing up, right? Which is awesome. BYU is improving. They're getting better. They have three winnable games. The next three, BYU's going to get to 7-4. and four, Perhaps have a ranked matchup with San Diego State. We'll see if San Diego State's still ranked. This is setting up to be a nice finish for BYU at the end of the season. Continuing to build towards next year. But the present is always more important than the future to me. What are you? Where are you going? BYU's going in the right direction. You should all be San Diego State fans until BYU yes. plays the Aztecs on November 30th yes. because that gives BYU an opportunity to win a third-ranked game this season. If, if San Diego State doesn't deserve to be ranked per se to me, they're not, they're not the 24th best team in the country. Give me a break. 7-1. But that, it is what it is. They are in the rankings. <laughs> the highlights will be all over SportsCenter because it's a ranked matchup. BYU got a decisive victory to open up the Mark Pope era at BYU, an 18-point win over Cal State Fullerton. BYU utilized a lot of the bench, and I mean a lot of the bench. We'll get into the details of that, but Jason, overall, what was the number one thing you learned about BYU basketball after the first game? I learned that Alex Barcelo is the man. He's the truth. He was so much fun to watch, and it wasn't just the fact that he scored the 17 points, but it was his efficiency. He was great. Seven of nine from the floor. That included three or four from three. Despite the slow start for TJ Haas, the other thing that impressed me, like I mean, I even said this on the, the radio broadcast at halftime, like for anybody that, that's concerned that, that Toulson and Hawes were, hadn't, hadn't done a whole lot in the first half, don't worry about it. And then TJ Haas came out and had an unbelievable second half. Uh, and, and that's, I think, you know, we, we know exactly what type of player TJ is. So, and, and Toulson scoring seven points was a surprise, but there's zero reason for concern. For concern. First off, it's the first game. Second, the guy's an elite shooter in college basketball, so he's going to be just fine. I still don't know if we learned a lot about the bigs, simply because Cal State Fullerton doesn't really have dominant bigs, so I don't know if they were tested like they will be as the season goes on. But certainly the, the biggest plus was Barcelo and the overall shooting of the Cougars. That's what I learned. Barcelo's the man, and... The coaches kept saying, one of the things we know about this team is we know that this team can shoot, and that was on display last night. Alex Barcelo is the truth, at least in game number one. And I know it was Cal State Fullerton, and I know that the Titans were playing without their best player, and they had just lost to a Division II opponent. But you still have to come out and play with the right energy and figure out rotations. And I really liked what I saw overall in terms of energy mm-hmm. from this BYU team. So the number one thing I learned is that this BYU team has bought in to the energy and enthusiasm of Mark Pope and this coaching staff. And that was really encouraging, especially when T.J. Haas was struggling in the first half and Jake Toulson was struggling in the first half. I think they combined for two points in the first half. So up comes Alex Barcelo. Connor Harding knocks in yes. three three-pointers. They had 11 points at half, Connor. I know that Zach didn't shoot the ball super well per se, but there's a feeling in the plus-minus category, and I know that people have mixed feelings about the plus-minus stat, but there is something to the BYU feels better and more complete when this person is on the floor. And I thought BYU was a better team when Zach Selyus 
was on the floor last night. Just for his rebounding and his hustle plays and the way that he defended in the post, I thought he did a nice job. I, I really like the energy and the effort. I think they're bought in to Mark Pope. Uh, they'll play hard no matter what. On the defensive side, Jason, I thought BYU was really good defensively. And am I wrong in thinking that Alex Barcelo's persona and energy are Mark Pope? I feel like they're the same person. Yeah, energy-wise. Yeah, from, from an energy standpoint and just that, that laser focus on, on the task at hand. Look, and I love the fact that that he got he got angry when things weren't going like he, he missed a shot or maybe somebody you know made a play against him. I love that that he took that personal and then went out and and proved it on the other end. I I, I thought he was fantastic last night. And ba- and to Zach Selyus, how great was it just to see him on the floor? Because I know that that was somewhat maybe in de- the guy broke his foot, you know, several several months ago on the trip to to Italy, and so the, him being able to be ready to go for game one. I, I thought that was great for Zach. Fantastic. Cleared last week. Yeah. Him coming home early from Italy is what allowed yeah. this to happen. Wow. Topic number two, the debut of Alex Barcelo is what most BYU fans are going to be talking about. Obviously, that's what we were just talking about. After his performance last night, Spencer, are you all in on Alex Barcelo? Uh, yes. And that brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Alex Barcelo scored a new career high in his first regular season game at BYU. Good way to start. 17 points, previous high of 16 at Arizona. The thing I like most about BYU playing with Alex Barcelo is there is always going to be a ball handler, creator, scorer on the floor. TJ Haas and Barcelo can play together, but if one of them has to come out, there will always be that guy on the floor creating, controlling, whether it's Barcelo or Haas. I don't think BYU's had that luxury, that type of player and creator, more than one anyway, besides TJ Haas over the past few years. So I, I like that the most about him. I'm bought in because he really brings a dynamic to BYU basketball that allows the Cougars to keep that type of player on the floor for all 40 minutes. And I think that's super unique. I like that. And I thought Mark Pope did a really nice job managing that. Of course, they got to figure some things out. San Diego State's going to be a different challenge. Yes, it will. It will be a very different challenge because they're big, they're long, they're athletic, and they focus on defense. We will learn more, much more about this BYU team and what kind of moxie and grit they have when San Diego State comes to the Marriott Center on Saturday. Uh, yes, I am all in on oh. one Alexander Barcelo. Uh, I was so impressed. I was excited to see him play anyway, regardless, because it was still a little bit of an unknown. I mean, you know, we're, you're, not, you're not watching, probably not every BYU fan is watching, you know, Arizona play. So, I mean, you can see some highlights and whatnot, but to see what he would do in this setting with this team, I was excited. I did not anticipate that type of performance in game number one. He's, he is aggressive. His shot is pure. And the guy is in complete control of the game. And it goes to what you were talking about, his ability to handle the ball, his ability to create not only for himself, but for his teammates. I, I, that was an absolute gem of a pickup by this coaching staff. And then to be able to have the NCAA give him the waiver to play this year was unexpected. I did not think that was going to happen. So the fact that he is able to come in and then has that kind of debut, man, that was exciting. And I was so impressed with every aspect of his game last night. I credit the BYU Sports Nation karma for the NCAA coming in and granting him the waiver. He came on the show right after. We talked about it, and it came through. 
Uh, really nice. Really nice for BYU to have Alex Barcelo on the floor. And there was some real trepidation and some concern when Nick Emery decided to stop playing basketball at BYU because there was a void. Well, BYU expected Nick Emery to come in and play good defense and be a contributor and shoot threes and be an energy guy. Alex Barcelo is that and, dare I say, an upgrade. You know, through one, it's hard because it's only one game. Yes. But it feels like he will be what Nick Emery was going to be, plus more. It feels that way. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. I really don't. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Micah Simon, senior wide receiver with the wagon wheel. Welcome back, man. What's up, Micah? What's up? How you guys doing? We're great. How are, how are you? I'm That's great, Saturday. too. I'm great. How fun was that, by the way? You, to beat Utah State, snap the streak, get the wagon wheel back. What was that like? Super fun. You know, something we've been you know, working on this season just to continue to improve uh, each and every week. And, you know, we felt really good about the game plan coming off a of bye week and having two weeks to prepare for, for them. And it all, it all, you know, showed out there on the field, and we were able to get that win. I embedded myself on the sideline close to the chicken broth and the hot chocolate for good reason. Uh, and I heard you uh, not just having a good time with your teammate, but I heard you yelling at C.O.C. Mariner too. Hey, C.O.C., what's good, man? He's lining up. Like, what kind of relationship do you have with him and with some of those guys on the Utah State sideline? Yeah, we have a great relationship. You know, him, obviously, Riley Burt. Um, and, uh, you know, whenever C.O.C. Was, was, you know, thinking about transferring from Utah. And, you know, we had some talks with him maybe coming here or, you know, going to Utah State. So it's great to just be able to joke around with those guys. And obviously it's a, it's a game and we're, we're opponents and stuff. We're also friends at the end of the day. So it was great to see him and Riley uh, after the game. Oh, you want to beat your brothers? No doubt. All, all the time. <laughs> Are you, do you like to chat during the game? Do you chat with the opposing DB or – Sometimes, yeah? yeah, it depends. Yeah, like, ch- like, chat is a liberal like, word, right? Like, is it sometimes friendly, sometimes unfriendly? Describe yeah, what that's for like. sure. You for feel sure. it out early with the guy? No, you don't feel it out. You just you just, you just play and and do it, <laughs> and then you see how they react to it, and then and then that sets the scene for the rest of the game. Do, do, are you the one to kind of initiate, or do you wait for the DB to talk? Because I would think that DBs talk more than receivers. Is they that do. a fair assessment? Yeah. DBs for sure talk before we do, and then. <laughs> And then you just figure out, you know, what to say back. <laughs> Mike I imagine as as the game evolves too, that could evolve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. a little more chippy <laughs> or not, right? That's fun. Micah Simon with us on BYU Sports Nation. Are you officially throwing your name uh, in the quarterback competition room uh, after your performance against Utah State? Two oh nine rating. Yes, I am. No okay. doubt. No no doubt about it. Uh, <laughs> Actually, have a meeting uh, in about thirty minutes with uh, <laughs> Coach Roderick about this. <laughs> no, nah, but, <laughs> nah, but uh, yeah, it was, it was great to finally get that play you know, going and working, and uh, excited to throw my first college pass. Okay, so they blitz the corner on that play, and you get roughed up. I mean, you got to get rid of it quick. Yeah, we actually never practiced that play until that defense, and it was the that was a great call for them, um, and they almost had us, but. <laughs> Everything was going our way in the game. <laughs> Who flips it to you, Lopini? Yeah, Pini. So when he flips it to you, are you seeing the corner? Yeah. Out of the corner of your eye, and you're like, uh-oh, yeah. i got to go fast? Yeah. I had to get it out quick. <laughs> and then you get hit in the face. Did you know immediately? Like, hey, did you turn to the ref? Like, I just got... 
No, I didn't even worry about it. I was just watching Baylor and celebrating, yeah. and then I saw the flag. I was like, oh, we'll, we'll take it. <laughs> nice. Did you want Baylor to uh, try and cut it upfield and get in the end zone? Give you I a did. Because he did. went out of bounds, but he is injured. So that, you know. Yeah, so you know, I'll let him slide this time. But <laughs> you know, if he would have scored, then maybe my rating would be like 250 or, or something like that. <laughs> bumped it up a few points, yeah. Baylor. Come on, man. <laughs> Uh, Micah, what have the coaches figured out to help your team move towards maximizing potential? Because this has clearly been a different team the past two games. Yeah, it's, you know, credits our coaching staff on doing a lot of uh, self-evaluation, a lot of self-scout on the things that we were doing the first half of the season and seeing, you know, what worked well and what didn't work so well. And, you know, after having a lot of conversations with them, they just put us in the best positions possible to, to, to make plays and to, to put, you know, playmakers in the best positions possible to, you know, to make plays. And that's offensively and defensively. And, you know, that's, that's all, that's all them. You know, our coaches are, are great and they're always looking for ways to, to put us in the best positions possible. Let's talk about your touchdown. Uh, walk us through that play, getting into the end zone. Yeah, we actually, I mean, we've had those little screens in kind of all year, but you have to wait for the right defense to, to run them on, and we felt like we had a great uh, game plan this week uh, against Utah State and got two great blocks from Dax and Gunner, and then was just able to use my speed and, and get in the end zone. You got past three dudes, by the way. Just want to point that out. Not one, not two, but three. And then the dive into the end zone. Did you know immediately you got it? It looks like you did. Did you yeah, know 100% I, you scored? I, yeah, I knew I scored. You hit the pylon. Yeah, when they were reviewing it and Coach Grimes had called the offense up and was like, we have to have a play ready. And I told him, I was like, no, I scored. I was like, it's okay, I scored. <laughs> You're like, listen, I'm the quarterback, I'm the receiver. He just kind of smiled at me and he still gave us a play. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. What's it like to have Coach Grimes on the sideline over the last two games, and how has that impacted the the atmosphere and just the identity of the team? It's been great. You know, he's he's obviously you know a great offensive coordinator, great leader for for our offense, and to have him on the sideline to feel his presence, to to feel his leadership, has been awesome. You know. Uh, when things go well, he brings us up, you know, tells us a good job, but not be complacent. You know, things don't go so well. Um, you know, he just brings us back up and tells us to keep keep fighting, keep playing. And I, I think it's great to have him on the sideline to, to be able to help us out like that. Another great play you were involved in, wide receivers don't get a lot of credit for good blocks. You were one of the blockers with Talon Shumway on the uh, brotherly connection touchdown, right, from Baylor to Gunner. So walk us through that play as well. Yeah, just a play we've kind of seen a lot of NFL teams run. We've seen uh, the Saints run it with Taysom. And uh, it's basically just a kind of just like a run play, really, just getting the ball behind a quick pass, get the ball behind a couple blockers, and uh, just get it in the end zone really, really quick. So BYU puts up 42 points against Utah State. The defense forces five turnovers. So many players had great individual performances. In your opinion, who is the MVP of Saturday night? The MVP, wow. Uh, that's a really tough question. Can I give two? Can yeah, I, can sure. I go offense and defense? You bet, you yeah. bet. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So um, defense, I'm going to go with uh, Nice Mahe. I think he gets with over sack. with the sack. Oh, I yeah. think he gets overlooked a little bit sometimes, but he he wreaks havoc back there, and he he works his tail off every day. And uh, to him, he was so disruptive in the in the backfield all game, and you know, double teams it didn't matter. He was he was still back there, and uh, I think that was something great to see from our defense. That even though we would sometimes only rush three, they were still getting sacks and still getting pressure on uh, on the quarterback, and it created those turnovers we had. Um, so props to those guys. And then offensively, 
Um, I think I'll have to give it to to Peeny. Okay, little Peeny. Peeny. I have to give it to Katoa. Just you, you sound you sound like you're disappointed that you have to do this. This is this is why. As receivers, we we looked at the stat sheet after the game, and he was the leading receiver, <laughs> but he's a running back. So we were just a little a little hurt, a little sad, but <laughs> but uh, nah. Peeny Peeny's a really explosive weapon for us, and you can get the ball to him so many different ways, and he'll uh, he'll make a lot of things happen. So uh, proud proud of him. When you see on second and third and long that these screen calls are coming in, can you sense that it's going to work or not before the play, or do you have to see how the defensive line reacts? Because the screen game was awesome Saturday. Yeah, I think uh, our, our coaches knew the plan that they had uh, Utah State was going to have coming in, you know, on the second and long, third and long situations. And we knew they would bring a little bit more pressure and try to get back in the backfield quickly. And we've, we've repped these screens so many times and getting the exact look for, uh, for them. Um, to, to be good on and uh and yeah I think as a receiver you know it's our job just to try to sell sell four verts and get down the field and then and then block down the field and uh it was good to hear the cheers and then see him uh get down the field I want to talk about both of the quarterbacks because Jaron Hall had an incredible first half through for what 221 rushed for 54 he was he was paced for like a 400 100 um, at what point do you do you realize, oh, Jaron's not going to be able to go and Baylor's going to come in at the uh, start of the third quarter? Yeah, I think it was just at the end of that second um, second quarter when we uh, had the ball with just 30 seconds left and we were just going, um, you know, victory formation to take a knee. And uh, I was the safety, and then I saw Baylor under the center. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <And then, laughs> but then I, I still was like, oh, maybe it's just, I don't know, just something real quick. Jaren's getting checked out or whatever. And Couldn't then, find his helmet or something. Yeah, you know, something small. Yeah. But then, yeah, halftime they, they told us, yeah, he was, you know, he was out for, for the rest of the game. And, uh, you know, that was that was tough to hear just because he'd been playing so well and uh, worked so hard to get back and get back healthy and everything. So uh, it was tough to see that. But then, but then yeah, Baylor came in and, and did what, exactly what he kind of did against Boise State and just called Coombe. Calm, cool, and collected, and just yeah. balled out. Well, yeah. What is it about him that is so calm? I mean, like, is he always like that? Because th- this guy is quarterback BYU to two notable wins the last two games. Yeah, he's he's super uh, calm, and I think it's just that Romney family. You know, there him and, like that. Yeah, have him emotions. Him and, have emotions. <laughs> him and Gunner are kind of super, super quiet and just go with the flow type of guys. Um, but, yeah, when their number's called, they're both making plays, and they're both doing what they're supposed to do. Mom's getting them blankets. You know, it's all good. Right <laughs> in the game. Here, yeah. sweetie, it's freezing. <laughs> Gunner got one, but Baylor didn't. <laughs> Only one blanket, bro. Guess we see who the favorite is. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, let's finish up with this. How's the posse holding up? And by posse, I mean the Warner brothers, Fred and Troy, Jake Toulson and you, because you guys have kind of been through so much together and started your BYU careers essentially together. How's the posse, man? The posse is great. We're full-fledged right now. You know, basketball season starting up. Jake's about to do what Jake does on the court. I'm super excited to, to see that. You know, at the at our team movie Friday night, I had my phone and was watching BYU TV, mm-hmm. watching the game. Nice, use that app, baby. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he's, you know, he's doing great. I'm glad that he's back. You know, it's 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 a great feeling to see him just walking around campus and seeing him around the, the SAB and things like that. And then, yeah, Troy's Troy's doing great. Um, look out for Troy pretty soon. Hopefully, yeah, nice to see him getting healthy. Yeah, and he could play four games and still play next year. Yeah, so uh, 
I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Troy out there on the defense pretty soon. And then, yeah, my man Fred is, is balling out. He's doing all right. Yeah, <laughs> he's doing okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, only only undefeated team now right, in the go. NFL. And my Seahawks next week. Yep, let's go Niners. Go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, hey, uh, hey, yeah, it's, well. it's, it's great to have that relationship with those guys. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that we're all, we're all best friends. Yeah, that's Fantastic awesome. stuff. That's Mike, great. it's great to talk to you. Congratulations again on your quarterbacking. And on your receiving. Good, good luck winning the job this week. Appreciate it. I'm going to go get my green jersey today. <laughs> you should run out with the green jersey. Do it. Do it. That, that would be so hilarious. Yes. Be awesome. Give him a green jersey. Yeah. Don't hit me. <laughs> we'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. It's time to play What's the Chance? BYU Sports Nation asks, What's the Chance? Presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Ben Bagley, where are you? Okay. <laughs> He's not on. He's not on. The segment's okay. going really well so far. <laughs> <laughs> He's lost in the ethos. So let's, let me ask you, Jerem. Please. What's the chance BYU runs the table in the regular season? Okay, let's break it down. Liberty at home, Idaho State at home, Trevor Maddich, please don't sleep on Idaho State, at UMass, at San Diego State. The only game in question is San Diego State, which uh, ESPN's FPI, Football Power Index, gives BYU a 55% chance of winning. San Diego State's currently a ranked squad. Wow. I hope they're ranked when BYU plays them. Now, here's the deal. Uh, I'm going to go with the same number. No, 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 I'm going higher, actually. ESPN says BYU has a 47.7% chance of winning out. Yes. That is the eighth best in the country of anybody. Okay? Mm-hmm. I, I think the BYU has like a 65% chance. Yes. I think that San Diego State, you call them the fake idea of college They football. are. I agree with you, McLovin, that they are fake because they played a close game with San Jose State and UNLV, and it's like, what? BYU's, they, it's one thing for BYU to lose to South Florida and Toledo. It's another to beat Tennessee, USC, Boise State, and Logan. Like, BYU's just... Quality club. Listen, I love Weber State University. From oh, number three, Wildcats. Let's from go. From Ogden, Utah. Jay Hill. Okay. They are in Ogden, Utah. For real. They literally okay. are in Ogden, Utah, we're told. Number three team in the country, FCS. San Diego State beat that team six to nothing. Six points. They scored six points. But Weber State is They're good. one of the best. They're good. FCS teams. you got to score more than six points. Like, like San Diego on. State has a really good defense. Do they have enough offense to beat BYU? I don't think they do. So I'm no, going, I don't. I'm with you, I agree. Man. Like 70% chance, 100% chance BYU wins the next three games. Yes, it easy all comes three. down to San Diego State. The Aztecs, I give BYU 70% chance. I think if they play the game 10 times, BYU probably wins seven of those games. And they only play once. Uh, ESPN's Football Power Index also gives a ranking to the remaining strength of schedule. Guess what BYU's is? Third easiest in these United States of America. I love it. I love it. So BYU is in a great position to run the table. That means they'd have a six-game win streak to end. And then all the haters of not thinking that it was worth Losing to Toledo and South Florida to win the next... BYU would have won the next six. <laughs> and then in a bowl game, BYU is matching up with someone they can beat from the American. Hawaii, we've talked about yeah, if UCF. I, I think ESPN is going to want to go with uh, you know a favorable matchup that will draw eyeballs on Christmas Eve. So it's either yeah. Hawaii, 
in Hawaii or maybe like that's UCF. A win. Now, that's a great matchup. You, I mean, UCF's a little scary, to be right. honest, because they're really good. Right. BYU beat – Zach Wilson's first start was, was against Hawaii last year in Provo, and BYU just rolled them. I, I think BYU would beat Hawaii. UCF would be a fun one. We'll see who else is in the mix. BYU's going to win out. They're going to do this. At San Diego State, that's going to be a fun way to end it in a place where BYU played a bowl game in 2016, played a ton of games historically, obviously, in the Holiday Bowl. Like, that's good. I'm just going to call it Jack Murphy Stadium. I don't even – what is it now? Qualcomm is, Stadium. It's Qualcomm? Qualcomm's still the name of the stadium? I think so. Well, they don't have an NFL team. They left. That's how – They left because Qualcomm Stadium is not nice. Right. That's how, It's such a dump. They're like, <laughs> I am out. And I was shocked by how dumpy that stadium was when we went in 2016 for the bowl game. I, listen, no one wants to play the, this schedule in a row – I'm talking about Power 5 at the beginning and this. It'd be nice to have some balance, but it's not there. BYU's got to win the next three. They're going to have a challenge against San Diego State, which you and I think they're going to win. They're going to finish on a six-game win streak, and this is going to be awesome. At some point, by the way, in this, Zach Wilson returns for BYU. And what if Baylor Romney wins the next couple of games? We've talked about it. You still bring in Zach Wilson as the starter. Okay, there is a real opportunity for BYU to play for the first time ever Ever in the history of BYU football, five ranked teams in the same season. That'd be nuts. If San Diego State is ranked, keeps it going. That's why we're all San Diego State fans. We want this to happen. And then if BYU beats the Aztecs, the Cougars would have a winning record against those five ranked opponents, three and two. And then we'll say, how did BYU lose to South Florida and Toledo? I know it's been worth it, but how did that happen at all? I know. Right? I know. But that's what it took. Like, in the annals of BYU football, we're not going to remember that, well, you know what, that was the sacrifice for the blessing of the streak or whatever. It just won't show up. We'll go, oh, eight or nine wins. Cool. I think eight wins this season would be good. Nine, I'd be ecstatic about nine. Nine means that BYU figured it out, turned it around, and uh, I'll take nine with these schedules. I just will. I I think ten is just too hard. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook Using the hashtag BYUSN, the best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now in studio, be one of our all-time favorites. She is currently coaching the third women's cross-country team and the Acai Bulls are here. This is my Hyundai, by the way. Because in Portuguese, it's acai. I want to say it the right way, then. Yeah, acai but, uh, bowl. Acai, you sound like a fruit, if you know. You acai know? bowl. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll get thank it right. you. Dilji, thank yeah. you for this, and thank you for coming to the show. Thanks for having me. This goes back to uh, a track meet, I think the Robinson Invitation, like a year ago, two years ago. Yeah, I think I brought you guys You one. guys got, you guys Nothing one. represents so nice. women's distance more than an acai bowl. That is <laughs> yeah. like what we do. I'm so happy. Congratulations on the West Coast Conference Championship, by Thank the way. Thank you. It was fun. Number three ranking. I guess, what did it mean to, uh, it's always good, it's always good to win a championship, right? Oh, Yeah, winning is fun. Uh, clearly, it's, it's and fun. you've been doing a lot of it. Yeah, we've had a really good season so far. My so qu- my question proud. is, how have you maintained this consistency? Because it's not just this season. It's the previous season and the season before that where we saw this meteoric rise. Yeah, I think obviously this started four years ago when I came to BYU, and I've just capitalized on these young women's dreams. And they want to be great, and so I've just 
kind of ran with that. It's been really fun. Literally ran with it. I love it. Uh, Whitney Orton and Erica Burke Jarvis. They are competitive. They're feisty. They're teammates. They win. It comes down to those final two for the championship and uh, one past the other for the title. Is that awesome? Is it awkward? How do you feel about it? No, I mean, they're both my runners, so I'm preparing them both to be the best, and on any given day, I think either one of them can have a shot at it. It's, um, it's been fun. What do you do mentally to help them develop the strength to continue this? Because I feel like in running, the mental aspect is so huge to overcome the physical stress of it all. So what, what, do you, what kind of things do you say to them before they run an intense race like this? Well, I think it goes on to not just the night before the race, but just throughout the season, instilling confidence in them. And a big part of my coaching is believing in the athletes and making sure that they know that. Um, but I think it's also just giving them the tools that they need in those moments to be great. And I've talked a lot this season about I don't want to have the most talented team in the country. I want to have the toughest team in the country. Mm-hmm. And so um, when I see that happen in a race and I show that, see that toughness in them, that, that's really what makes me proud. Certainly you want both, right? Because if you can get <laughs> well, talent yes, and yes. tough, right? Yeah. But what is it about that toughness angle that allows someone to maximize their talent? Well, I think in, in a moment of racing, there's many times where a little bit of darkness comes into play and you just have to be tough in those moments of darkness and uh we do it in practice all the time and i've seen it now in racing too these women are these women are tough and and it's it's good what's awesome is it's the men's program it's the women's program and the women's program actually was amazing at the end of late 90s early 2000s won a couple national championships the, the program feels like it's back at that level um what has it taken to kind of bring this program back to that level I think it's just been a culture shift and me coming in and kind of re-energizing it. But the women that are in the program now in their fourth year, they're the ones that started this whole thing. I mean, they have, they have given, you know, they have given birth again to the dominance of BYU women's distance. So uh, I attribute a lot of our success to, to the women these last four years. And, and as their seniors this year, you're seeing a lot of heart and they, they know how hard they've worked to, to make this climb and, they're going to continue to fight till the end. Where's the Isaac Wood reaction to the women's cross country? <laughs> I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. Maybe uh, November 23rd. Okay. Perhaps. Okay. Perhaps in uh, Terre Haute. Let's go. We'll look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> Dilgeet Taylor with us on BYU Sports Nation. What kind of stock do you put into a top three national ranking at this point? Uh, well, rankings, it's great to be nationally recognized. And I think rankings is somebody looking at your team and telling you what they think that we can do. And we just have to kind of put our heads down. And we don't focus too much on rankings. We know that we're we're one of the better teams in the country, but we have to do it on that given day. So we're kind of focusing on just taking care of business the next couple of weeks. Okay, you have this week off. Next week, uh, NCAA Mountain Region Championships. And then the week after that, eight days later, uh, in Terre Haute, Indiana. That's when it's all going down for the NCAA Championship. So what will it take to be your best selves on November 23rd? I think if uh, we put seven happy, healthy women on the line, that's been our goal since cross-country camp, that you'll see, you'll see something special happen at the end. Um, yeah, we're excited. What would be special for this group? Special would be the team excited having raced happy and confident and running to the best of their ability on that given day. And the outcome, we can't focus on that. It'll take care of itself. But um, I think if you see some, some toughness out there, you're going to see something special coming back to Provo.
What kind of competition, and, and specifically when you look at pacing yourself, engaging yourself against the best of the best, what other teams are going to put really good teams out there in Terre Haute? So Arkansas is really strong, and Stanford's really strong, and Washington. Those, those are the three teams that have, have dominated all season long, and uh, we'll be excited to, mm. to face them. Uh, what is it about Terre Haute, Indiana, that made it the site of the NCAA Cross <laughs> Country Championships a long know. time ago? Very, very cold and very windy. Like, and why would you run there November 23rd? I don't 23rd? know. I have no idea. But you know what? It's where we ran four years ago. Mm-hmm. And so these same women that ran there, like when Erica first became an All-American and we had that top 10 finish, uh, it's exciting to kind of finish. It's full circle for us. So I'm actually happy that it's there. Okay. A little redemption yes. story, right? Okay, awesome. What's your relationship like with Ed Eyestone? Because we think he is hilarious. So ex- hilarious. explain it to us. So I feel like, okay, he's too young to be my dad, too old to be my brother, but he's just like a best friend, right? Like we bounce ideas off each other. We're very different in just our coaching styles and personalities. He's so chill and I'm a little bit more intense. Um, <laughs> but we balance each other out really well. And I love, love, love Ed Eyestone. It's a big part of the reason why I came here. And it's a big part of the reason what's kept me here. So I'm super grateful to work alongside him. And the New York City Marathon, uh, that was pretty cool. That was amazing. On Sunday, right? Yes. Jared Ward amazing. and Connor McMillan, yes. two of the top three Americans. Amazing. Amazing races by those gentlemen. All right. How can BYU fans get more involved with elite-level programs like this? Well, I we're running at Rose Park uh, up in Salt Lake November 15th for the regional. So hopefully we'll get a ton of fans out there. And I think, yeah, we feel the support and love. Um, so, yeah, just come support. Okay, awesome. That's next Friday, 11 a.m. Mountain Time. Well, good luck. Let's give you the BYU Sports Nation karma. Yes. Good luck. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Enjoy and thanks for being acai, acai bowls. Hyundai, Hyundai. Yes, we have this long-standing argument about whether it's Hyundai or Hyundai because I speak Hyun- Korean, right. And it's pronounced Hyundai. Yeah, but everyone says Hyundai. Yeah, okay? you, you just sound it's yeah. Acai. Anyway, <laughs> here it is. Yeah, yeah. We're no, American, I'm with right? you. We're I'm with, where are we? United States. Freaking America. Let's go. Okay. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Former BYU basketball standout, sharpshooter, JT for three. Jonathan Tavernari He's back in studio. In studio. What's up, JT? Welcome, brother. Appreciate it, fellas. How many, uh, how many uh, titles did you win again? Conference titles? Three. And a box out away from four. Oh. Mm. Noah Hartsock's fault, that one. Bro, <laughs> Go look. Wow, we're, we're firing bullets out of the game. He tried to go block a shot and, uh, instead of boxing his guy out. So, yeah. Let him know, uh, We're JT. starting on that note. Wow. Let him know. Okay. It's true. It's true. It's true. Okay. Uh, already dropping bombs. I love it. I love it. What did you learn about BYU in their first and only public exhibition on Friday against UT Tyler? That... If we can consistently make uh, 40, 45% of three-pointers on a nightly basis, we're going to have a really fun season, you know. Uh, just these exhibition games are, they are a no-win scenario because if they lose like Carl State, you know, uh, Cal State did, then you're just, you know, kind of like the shame of the village because you lost to a D2 team. Appalachian State, Michigan, if you guys remember. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you win, it's like, hey, guys, good job. 
It was Friday, Saturday we got practice because you guys did nothing more than what you were supposed to do. You won by 50. Ho-hum. Right. And so, but the way that they played, and I, I believe the, the clips are showing right now, it was sharing the ball, extra passes. It was slashing and, and kicking it out. And, I mean, we were loaded with shooters, and uh, Jake got going, uh, Trav got going. Uh, and so it was, you know, it, I, I, my thing is with the whole thing with Yoli and Gavin and now with Jesse, um, if we can, I remember, I think, uh, Ben Crito and Greg Rebell were talking about 37%, 38% from three. If we can shoot around 40, 42, I think we're going to have a great, great season. Okay, 28 teams last year in college basketball shot 38% or better. Five shot 40% or better. Yeah, is, it, I mean, is it realistic to be in that area? That's that's tough, right? I mean, With the it, new three-point line. It, it, it doesn't matter, though, because if, you know, these guys, when I get to play with them, especially in the summertime, obviously now way less, but it, it we're all shooting from way back anyway, you know? And so it, it, it's really not that big of a difference. Um, but I, I don't see why not. But obviously there's going to be cold nights where we're going to go two for 21. Right. And we're going to have to figure out a way to win. I mean, Coach Pope was talking about being tough, being physical. Um, and, you know, those nights where the inside game where Jake can back up somebody a little bit or Kobe can, you know, be an inside presence. Um, but if we night in and night out can knock down 40 plus percent, I think we're going to be really tough to beat. Jonathan Tavernari with us on BYU Sports Nation. We're talking BYU basketball because the season tips off tonight. What are your season expectations for this team, knowing that Yoli Childs will miss the first nine games and Gavin Baxter is out for the entire season? Yeah, I, you know, um, I think, I mean, obviously, you know, he said it so I can say, it, you know, the NCAA is dumb. I really think it's dumb because he even paid back all everything that happened. And so um, why not just... With interest. You know, why not just make then community service, which I know that nowadays is a possibility. So I think that was that was ludicrous and that's you no know, that was extremely ridiculous. But uh, we have to be realistic. Your best player, your senior best player. How long has it been? You know, at you know ever since Kyle Collinsworth graduated, that we're talking about a senior um, best player, and he's out for a third of the season, pretty much. You know, and it it, it will be felt. You know what I mean? We can't kids ourselves, and you know we hope for the best, but you plan for the wor- for excuse me, you plan for the worst, but. How do you not feel that? You know, and I, you know, I feel like Gavin last year before, obviously before, you know, the, the WCC tournament debacle against USD, but um, he was coming into his own 15, 20, 25 point games, double, double putbacks. And he was being an energy glue guy, like you mentioned earlier. Um, and so, you know, obviously Yoli comes back afterwards, but you're going to feel Gavin. And I will say this and, and no knock on Jesse, but we are going to miss um, Gav way more than we're going to miss the period that Jesse's out because you have, you know, you have, Bar- you know, it's, by the way, it's Barcello. Barcello. It's not Barcelo. All right. Let's make sure we get that clear. If we're talking R- Italian, R- yes. Right. But anyway, you know, <laughs> Alex is going to be there and you have Trav who showed at the exhibition game, just all these things that you can't do. And all these guys, um, TJ is going to get better. Same thing with Evan, but, um, you know, I, I think that Gavin's absence for the entire year, which is a shame, you know, because last year you could switch, you know, between him and Yoli, the four and the five, yeah. and play up and down and, and switch it on the small ball and, and all of that, and they're definitely going to miss him. 
Those first nine games are going to be tough. I, I think BYU's got – those first nine, I'm with you on the you got to be in the 40% three-point range right. to give yourself a shot against these kind of tougher competition. And BYU's got a tough schedule with uh, – with potentially Kansas, right. uh, still have UCLA, San Diego State, UNLV. Utah State's a top-20 team. Nevada's Houston's not, no pushover. Nevada's, Nevada's right. not yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah. We have uh, so Steve Alford, my buddy. Your buddy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. You, we, should, we should have you walk in the line like as a, like as a GA. <laughs> just, hey, what's up, man? Yeah. That'd be yeah. funny. Yeah. But, you know, what I would say is, <laughs> and just based on the expectations, right, because you guys were talking about earlier in the show about NCAA or bust. Now, here's the thing. I don't personally think it's NCAA or bust because here's the thing. Up until uh, Kyle graduated, up until KC was here and, you know, most triple-doubles ever and all that, we were either a always presence in the NCAA tournament or we were making deep runs into the NIT, which I don't consider a bust. Right, that's a that's a solid right. season. A bust is not making the NIT. Right? I think a bust is not making the NIT or doing well there. I dad would say, you know, I would say like, okay, well, you know, if we're a bubble team, that's different. But I think that to make the NCAA run, to make maybe you know get to the NCAA tournament, we need to shoot four percent or better from three. Okay, so that that's the to the offset key. no size, right? Be, be, not only that, but to offset the fact that we need to win games when they matter. You know what I mean? And Gonzaga, great team, and I know we always talk about Gonzaga. You know, we're gonna roll over them and, and, and St. Mary's and all that, but. It's it obviously those games you get up for those games, so the worry shouldn't be about can we beat Gonzaga, can we beat St. Mary's, but mm-hmm. can we get hyped enough to go into Loyola Marymount and just run them off the court at their place? Can we get excited enough when we go to USD or when we go to some of these other schools to Pepperdine? That's you know my gym at Bishop Gorman is bigger than Pepperdine's. <laughs> it looks like you know it looks like an auditorium, you know, and so. How do we have the perception of, late? Hey, we're going to get, we're going to run these guys off the floor because we're BYU, and the perception about BYU is it's always been here, right? It's slowly coming, but I think something that Mark brings back is the fact that with BYU, young guy, energetic, has to prove himself, you know, because with all due respect to Mark Madsen, who is one of my great friends, um, but BYU, right, and then UVU, when it comes to the perception about the basketball program. Sure. And so... It, we have to get back to that of not only just, hey, let's beat Gonzaga, let's beat St. Mary's, but let's get ranked. Let's run these teams that should have no business being on the same court as us. And to do that, we need to shoot you know, quite well from, from outside. JT for three. Great to have you back, man. Appreciate we it. need to do this again soon. Let's uh, do it. Just make your way to uh, the locker room and give them a pregame speech. I need you to, I need <laughs> right? you to fire them up, okay? Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks Great so much. To see you. Appreciate it. Thanks. One game into the basketball season, BYU football be back-to-back rivals. Perfect time for overreaction, underreaction. Presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. Ben Bagley joins us with today's nominees. All right, here we go. Start here. He had two of them last night, so overreaction, underreaction. Alex Barcelo will lead the team in block (laughs) shots this season. This is a combined overreaction. Overreaction. Come on. Come on, next. Dude, they had two last night. They're huge. All right, overreaction, underreaction. BYU will shoot 36.2% or better from three this season. I think this is an underreaction, Jason. I think this team is absolutely capable of doing that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. underreaction. I, I don't think it's crazy to think this team could get near 40% from Whoa. three. Okay, now don't, don't push to overreaction. Next. 
Overreaction, underreaction, BYU hoops will win six of the nine Yoli-less games. I, I don't think it's an overreaction. I, I would say between the two, underreaction. I think if you can go six of the nine, I think you're feeling pretty good about that. Yeah, I think that's right on the mark. In fact, I have BYU going six and three in the first nine. That is not an overreaction. All right, Ben, what do you have for us next? And let's slip into football with the dreaded 17-plus. BYU still a 17-point favorite for the game versus Liberty. Overreaction, underreaction. BYU will win Saturday's game by 17-plus. <laughs> underreaction, yes. BYU's going to win this game big. Uh, I'm weird about the 17-plus curse. So, uh, I say BYU wins, but I'm not ready to say 17-plus. I'm not ready to say 17-plus. I don't know who's playing quarterback yet, Jason. It shouldn't matter. Thank you, Ben Badley. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast Every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.